Well, if you guys haven't met me yet, <laughs> lucky you. No, my name's Pastor Rick. Welcome to Sunday night here at the Packing House. We've been going through the letter to the Thessalonians. Paul wrote this amazing letter to encourage the saints out in Thessalonica. If you would, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians, and we're going to pick up where we left off last week in chapter 2, verse 12. Chapter 2, verse 12. Okay, I'll read aloud. Follow with me. That you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God which also effectively works in you who believe. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God, which are in Judea in Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans, who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have persecuted us, and they do not please God and are contrary to all men forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in the presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, Time and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope, or joy, or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. Let's stop there and pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you, God, for a safe place to worship you in, Lord. Lord, we choose now to worship you and study, Lord, with our minds, God. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would help us to understand these scriptures, God. Help us to understand the truth. Lord, we wish to see Jesus clearly, so help us in Jesus' name. All of God's kids agreed by saying, amen, amen. Okay, so Thessalonica, where is that? That is in modern-day Greece. I really loved the pictures that we had last week. Who wouldn't want to visit there? That place is amazing. Coastal city, oh my goodness, Mediterranean food, who doesn't like that? Can we have the next one? Oh my goodness. Thessalonica looks amazing, amazing. And I'm sure that if we traveled there, which you can, by the way, it's a real place, you can go travel there, you're probably going to be treated a lot better than Paul was. Paul, he spent three weeks out in Thessalonica. I don't know that he had time to soak up the rays and squish the sand between his toes. He was sharing the gospel, sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And you know what? At first, man, people didn't want to hear it. So he goes to the pagans of the city, those people that were, were believing in false idols, worshiping all these Grecian gods, this, the Greek and Roman mythology. They were worshiping all that. Well, they received the word. So Paul, he, 
He spends three weeks there because Acts 17 tells us he was there for three Sabbaths. So that's three weeks. Sabbath happens every Friday. But then he gets ran out of town. He barely escapes with his life. The, the guy he was staying with, Jason, oh my goodness, they grab him and drag him out of his house. It was a rough scene for Paul. He sends Timothy back to check on things after his departure. Timothy brings back good news. Paul, they've been enduring hardship. Rick, I thought you were going to get to some good news. The good news is they've been enduring this hardship, but they've had faith in Jesus Christ the whole time. Paul is super pumped. He writes this letter, hearing all this good news. He wants to encourage them. As we read these epistles or letters, we got to remember that it's like opening up someone else's mail. It's like reading an email that was addressed to someone else. It's like going and grabbing a phone that's not yours and you started looking through it to see what messages were out there. You're going to read it out of context. You don't have the uh, correct setting. So that's why we go through all this this historical information so we can uh, show you the backdrop. You can read Acts 17 to get a clearer picture of what's been going on in Thessalonica. So Paul told us last week, he writes... In the, the first half of chapter two, he goes, guys, I've been writing to you with clear motives because as we learned last week, motives matter. He says, guys, I've had the most selfless, affection, affectionate heart towards you guys, you Thessalon- Thessalonians. I cherished you like a mother who's nursing a child. I was encouraging you like a father does to his child. Man, and I just love you. And I have this this attitude, this heart of mentorship toward you. And then he closes it. Last week, we closed it with verse 12. That said, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And so we get from that, that Paul wants us to live to serve God. Do you remember? Live to serve God, seeking his approval, conducting, living, walking, behaving our lives, living our lives in holiness and obedience toward God. So Paul was saying, live your lives to serve God, seek his approval, conduct your lives with God's principles and values in mind. He says that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So Paul's urging the Thessalonians to live in a way that honors God. In this first section, we, we see that Paul, he's, he's talking about how they responded to God's calling, to God's purpose. Tonight, we're going to learn about their testimony, their testimony. A testimony is nothing more than someone sharing about their personal experience, when I used to get called to court to testify, I would, have to get, I would have to testify, share my personal experience, what I heard, what I saw, what I witnessed, what I did, what I said. Our testimony as believers is what we've experienced God do in our lives, through our lives. That's a testimony. So tonight, we're seeing a little bit of the Thessalonians' testimonies. We're, our testimony relates to theirs. Because we first start off with this section where we see their response to God's calling, their response to God's calling. As we 
we're making our way through the passage, we started to see how their, their testimony involved imitating Christ through suffering. Then we hear Paul talk about how he's longing for them, longing for them. The last part of the testimony that we kind of saw was what's going to happen in the end. Their testimony is going to involve a reunification, a reuniting in eternity. It's really cool. Let's, let's dig into this. Okay, so we already covered a little bit of verse 12. That you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So we're, we're living to serve God. We're seeking his approval, conducting our lives with God's principles and values in focus. I want to go a little deeper and point out that word, uh, call, who calls you into his own kingdom. It's in the present tense. So think of this verb in this fashion. God who is continually calling you. He's continually calling you to live this life of holiness and obedience. We've already been called unto salvation. That happened. This leading our lives in holiness and obedience, that's not something that gets us saved. It's because we're saved where we want to do this. You guys catch that? So we're not, we're not working toward our salvation because we can't. We are saved by grace through faith. Not of works, so nobody can brag about it. It's a gift, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. So God, he's constantly calling us to a life of holiness and obedience. Each and every day, he's calling us deeper and deeper in, in, into his, our relationship with him. We're encouraged to conduct our lives in this fashion. One, it's good and healthy for us. Two, people are watching. Well, you spend a lot of time saying, don't worry about other people's approval. I'm not asking you to seek others' approval. I'm telling you that people will see and look at our lives. I heard this recently. recently. It's really cool. People... Did you know that the majority of people read the five Gospels? Everybody right now is going, what do you mean five Gospels? Okay, right? I just heard this. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you. We might be the only testimony that people ever hear or read. Well, I don't mean to put the pressure on you guys, but I'm just saying God's working in you and he will work through you. Okay? All right, for this reason, verse 13, we also thank God without ceasing because when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. Part of their testimony was their response to God's calling their response to God's calling, their response to God's word. Well, what was this right response that they had? It was their spiritual attitude. This right spiritual attitude is an attitude of accepting God's word as truth. What is truth? Let me help you. It's whatever God says about a matter. That's truth. And these Thessalonians, they had the right spiritual attitude. The right spiritual attitude is accepting God's word as truth. 
we have God's words in our hands. God, this is God's word, the Bible. The Bible is God's word and you have access to it. Famous, famous evangelist and Bible teacher, D.L. Moody. He said, the Bible will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the Bible. Paul shared God's word and it changed the Thessalonians' life. God's word is powerful. We should never, ever treat this Bible like it's just some other book. It's not just some other book. It's way different in origin, in character, in content, and cost. The Bible is God's word. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that this is the inspired word of God. That word that he used, inspired, you can translate it back to Greek. It means God breathed it. This is God's word. Some fun facts about the Bible. It's actually an amazing library of 66 books in total. It took over 1,600 years to write it. 1,600 years to write it, and it all flows together. 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament, all about one guy. This Bible is God's love story about Jesus Christ. The Bible in a nutshell. The left side, Jesus is coming. The right side starts out, he's here. How does it end? Spoiler, he's coming again. That's the Bible, it's all about Jesus Christ. It's God's love story, how he rescued humanity from their sin. The bad stuff we do, say or think. This is an amazing, powerful book. Paul shared the word, and it says they received the word, and they welcomed the word. So there's two different words used, right? Received, which simply means to accept from one another. Receive means to accept from one another. To welcome, well, it means like a hearing of the heart. So think of received as hearing of the ear, welcoming it, is hearing of the heart. The believers in Thessalonica, they not only heard the word, but they took it deep into their inner man. So what am I saying? Check this out. When I was growing up, I always heard, are you paying attention, Richard? Is it just going in one ear and right out the other? That was my childhood right there. And for some, for some people... That's exactly what God's word does. Some people just, they'll hear it. It goes in one ear and right out the other. Not with any Sunday nighters, right? No way. But for others, God's word goes in the ear. Starts affecting and changing and transforming the mind. Makes its way down into the inner heart where it's welcomed. And the heart being this amazing muscle that it is, pushes all the nutrition of God's word out to the extremities. What do I mean? We hear God's word. We think about God's word. We trust God's word. Now we start acting like it. My hope and prayer is that we are inspired on Sunday night. And then we are applying it on Monday through Saturday. Not only be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. That's our prayer. That's our prayer. Jesus said, let he who has ears, let him hear. 
Man, any opportunity you have to take in the word of God, take advantage of it. We all have our ears. We all have these nuggets between our shoulders. We have our heart. Pray, pray, pray that you have a life and a desire to, to take in God's word deep within your, your soul, your spirit, and start living it out, living it out. Well, how do I do this? I want to get better at welcoming it. How do I do this? God's word. First, pray, Lord, I surrender. I give you my life. Invite the Lord if you've never done that before. Invite the Lord into your life. You want to get closer to God's word? Well, get a Bible you can read and understand. We use the New King James and we teach it. Great Bible. We like it. But there's also amazing Bibles like the New Living Translation or the New International Version. There's the English Standard Version and so many like it. Pray. Get a Bible you can, you can understand. For some, it might be getting the Bible off the shelf, dusting it off and cracking it open and reading it. I personally like to go for quality, not just quantity when I'm sitting down with God's word. What do I mean by that? Sometimes I might just read a verse or two and pray about it, kind of mull it over and think about it. Those closest to me know that when I have this like eureka moment, I love to not brag about it. It's not bragging, but I love telling people what I just discovered or what God explained to me that I never knew before. So talk to other people about it. Ask questions. I would love for you guys to start calling the church when I'm there and and start asking questions. Hey, I just read this. What on earth does it mean? If you're not there yet to start calling people, great resource online, Blue Letter Bible. It's free, it's amazing, tons of resources. You can get Greek words and Hebrew words. It's such a fun website. I also like openbible.info. It's a fun website where you can plug in a word. Let's say you're, you want to plug in testimony, and boom, 50 verses come up of, that involve that word. It's a great resource. It's free. So pray about it. Read one you can understand. Talk to your friends that are other, that other believers. Talk about it. And if you want, look online. Read those, a couple of those websites. Those are pretty safe websites. Final, last tip I can give you. Don't make it complicated. Keep it simple. So many people want to make it complicated. Keep it simple. This book, written over 1,600 years, you know, it was written by kings, shepherds, businessmen, fishermen, Check it out. It was written so we can understand it. Okay, let's move on. Okay, verses 14 through 16 deal with the, him saying, hey, your testimony, I've noticed, involves imitating Christ through hardships. These Thessalonians were enduring hardships. They were getting persecuted for their faith. And Paul is highlighting their commitment to the gospel in the face of adversity. Look at verse 14. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God, which are in Judea in Christ Jesus, for you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans. Paul is taking a moment to share some common suffering that he's had, that Jesus has had, that now the Thessalonians have had, are having, the Thessalonians. 
and what some of the early Jews uh, were having and experiencing back in Judea. We learned a little bit about this back in chapter one, where Paul told us how the Thessalonians embraced their faith amidst the challenges. They became imitators of the Lord, even in the midst of affliction. What's cool about, there's nothing really cool about suffering. No, there is, there's something cool about it. Enduring challenges, they reveal one's true character. Much like, much like a uh, tea bag. Have you ever seen a tea bag? Well, out in the open, when you're opening up that Lipton's box, it really does nothing, right? But gosh, you put it in that hot water, and what happens? And the flavor is released. You can see it. I liked this picture because it shows the flavor emitting, how it's changing the environment. Enduring challenges reveal one's true character and faith. Much like a teabag releasing its flavor, suffering does tend to draw us closer to the Lord. And what? It reveals our relationship with the Lord. Jesus himself promised us, in the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, he said. I have overcome the world, John 16, 33. Remember, we're reading someone else's email, reading someone else's letter written a couple of thousand years ago. I know when we talk about suffering, often I'll bring up things that were personally suffering, whether it's grief or, or some type of loss or whatever. But I want to teach this within context. And he's not talking about those personal, those types of personal suffering that we all go through that stuff. He's really talking about this persecution that the Thessalonians have suffered because of their faith. Because they turned away from, from worshiping those, uh, those Grecian uh, mythological characters. No longer are they worshiping uh, Artemis and whatnot. They are now, they are worshiping God, the Hebrew God, Jesus. They're worshiping him and they are being persecuted. So, so Paul tells them in verse 15, these guys who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us and they do not please God and are contrary to all men. These guys killed Jesus, their own prophets. Check out the Old Testament. Man, prophets, they get killed. And then Paul says they're persecuting us. That word persecuting, uh, it means driven out. They've driven us out. Paul had to hightail it out many cities because he received such persecution. And he's telling them just as Jesus himself faced persecution so much, he was put to death. But we all know how that story ended, right? Three days later, he came back from the dead. Essentially, these guys are walking the same challenging path as the original uh, churches were, were walking. He's showing off this common suffering. Tomorrow's Martin Luther King Day. He's one of my heroes of history. I've read tons of his work, a ton of his sermons, one of the best compilations of his sermons, if you're ever wondering, it's called Strength to Love. I pulled this quote regarding this suffering and how he likened it to the early church. Martin Luther King, the reverend, the doctor, you know, his doctorate was in Christian theology, by the way. He says this, like the early Christians, 
We must move into a sometimes hostile world armed with the revolutionary gospel of Jesus Christ. With this powerful gospel, we shall boldly challenge the status quo. Wow. Christians are often persecuted for their faith, which is why I intentionally will pray here. You'll often hear me say, Lord, thank you that we have this safe place to worship in. We are very safe in this place to worship the Lord. People right now in the world are being persecuted because they have faith in Jesus Christ. If you don't believe me, check out Voice of the Martyrs. Horrific stories because people claim Jesus Christ. The tight, Let's go into some of the suffering. He was saying, in verse 16, he goes, they were forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved so as always to fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. Okay, little. let's talk some definitions real quick. If you're not familiar with what a Gentile is, a Gentile is anyone who is not a Jew. Let me break it down for you. I, my family, some of my family, they are Jewish. And when my children figured out that they were Jewish, they quickly figured out when they were very little that I was not a, uh, a Jew. So the first thing my three-year-old says at the time, says, Dad, do you know that we're Jewish? I go, yes. And they said, that makes you a reptile. And I, I said, I've been called worse. <laughs> I'll take it. Gentile is anyone who is not Jewish, okay? Anyone, that's still how it is today. You're either Jewish or you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile, everyone. Okay, he says the word saved. I love that word. This word in the Greek is sozo. It means save. Here's what it also means. To restore, completely restore, make whole or complete. And yes, it also means change your eternal address, what would need to be restored? Well, let's go all the way back to the left side of the Bible, that Old Testament, Genesis chapter three. Adam and Eve are living it up in the garden. Man, they, I mean, it is the life. They only have one thing. Hey, guys, God says, don't eat from the tree of knowledge and good and ev- of good and evil. No problem. Unless you've read chapter three, you, you see that it was a problem. The tree itself wasn't evil. What? The tree itself wasn't evil. What was evil? The choice that they made. The choice. They made a choice to disobey God. That's sin. The bad stuff we do say or think. That it's not God. Our spiritual, no, they're not our spiritual. They're very much our physical grandparents. Adam and Eve passed this sin thing down through the generations. So our relationship needs to be restored. Well, I'm actually a pretty good person, Rick. I bet you think you are. Great. So glad you're here so I can rip on you right now. Just kidding. We're not that type of church. Not often, just Sunday nights. Rolling up the sleeves to get ready. We have to have our relationships restored. See, we're born with a sinful nature. What does that mean? That's what every church nerd, Bible nerd says, sinful nature. What it means is we have this natural inclination, this natural tendency to sin. I know because I've seen kids totally 
beat up each other over a transformer when they're like two and three. I may or may not have been one of those kids that got beat up. Kids sin. They lie. I don't have to teach a kid to lie. They just do. Where do you mean you didn't eat those cookies? Where's all that cookie crumb coming over all over your face? I didn't eat it. I don't know. It must have been the mother. Oh, okay. So we have this natural tendency to sin, and it has to be dealt with, and it was. God's love story about how he rescued humanity from sin through his son, Jesus Christ. So he says, Paul says, they were forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be sozoed, saved, restored, have their eternal addresses changed. This filled up the measure of their sins. That's a nice way of saying the whole cup was overflowing. Why? And and did you see the part where it says, but the wrath has come upon them to the uttermost? Wow, why would God get so angry? Because God's a heavenly dad. Healthy and awesome dads turn into the most ferocious bears when anything gets between them and their kids. What do you think our heavenly father's gonna do when things or people or ideas get between him and his kids? Read more of that Old Testament. He does not want people getting in between him and his kids. You wanna, you wanna see what makes him angry? Check out when Jesus overturned those tables. People were getting between him and the kids. He does not like anything to come between him and his kids. He's the perfect, good, good father. He's our heavenly father. That's why he looks down on this whole uh, forbidding us to share this gospel. In verse 17, we start to see this, this deep desire expressed for Paul to get back to the Thessalonians. Check this out. He says, but we brethren, that's men and women, the, the whole church, brethren, the church, having been taken away from, uh, from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Remember, he was only there for three weeks sharing the gospel. Lives were being changed. He's like, man, I know I was only there for three weeks, but boy, did I love you guys. I love you guys. Like a mother and a father we read last week. He used this phrase, to see your face. Back then, that would have been this like term of endearment, a real strong term of endearment that they would use. He loved these guys because of how they received God's good word, his good news, the gospel, and how they responded radically to the take, and taking the gospel all over the place. People were seeing the Thessalonians, and man, everybody was getting encouraged by how these guys responded and reacted to God's word. So he says in verse 18, therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. He made every effort possible to get back to them. It says that Satan hindered them. One Bible commentator, uh, Warren Worsby, pretty smart Bible guy, he translated that word hindered. He says it's literally the breaking up, breaking up the road and putting up obstacles. Let me tell you, believer, spiritual warfare, it is a real thing. It's a real thing. Some teachers erroneously, erroneously, bad, they erroneously teach 
that when a person is in the center of God's will, Satan cannot hinder them. That's not true. That is not true. Have you guys ever seen, uh, what's that old movie? Flight of the Memphis Bell. It's an old World War II movie where they're on, the, they're on uh, these B-52 bombers. Is that what they're on? And uh, when they're going and doing their bombing runs, they're sitting there and they're playing cards, having fun, like writing letters, laughing. Once they get over the target, everything breaks loose. I mean, there's, there's just bombs all over the air. You, they pan the camera and you see one, one bomber get broken in half by missiles. I mean, it is bad news when they get over target. When you guys are doing something for the kingdom of God and you start to get over that target, hell really does break loose because it's trying to stop you, hinder you, break up the road. When I thought of this breaking up uh, of the road, I thought, I know I mentioned the new Top Gun movie a lot, but remember when they bombed the runway of the enemy? And you're like, that's what the first thing I thought of was when they just totally obliterate that runway. Satan is trying to do that for your spiritual walk. He does not want any of us to be over the target. And when we get over the target, he is a great strategist. He's a great chess player. He tries to think a couple moves ahead. He's not all powerful. He is not everywhere all at the same time. And he is not all-knowing. But you know who is all three of those things and way more? God is, and he's in your corner, in my corner. This suffering that does happen to us, that does not mean that God can't do anything about it. Then why does he let us go through it? Great question. I, I too have been frustrated with that. God, why are you letting me go through this spiritual warfare? He could totally swoop in and change every circumstance, but why doesn't he? Well, the same reason why he didn't do it for Paul. Paul wanted to go, but that isn't what God wanted. Oh, <laughs> Paul wanted to go and just do everything for these Thessalonians that he loved and cared for, but that's not what God wanted. So Paul's kept out of the loop for a little bit, and what happens? Well, the Thessalonians, they get like super spiritually buff. They're doing so many amazing things for the Lord that it's getting out that these Thessalonian pagans, former pagans, love the Lord and they're being imitators of Christ and they are encouraging nations around them. Oh, it's so I don't know if it would have happened just like that if Paul would have went in and just did everything for them. God is using this stuff. He's using these things to get us closer to him. To start, remember like the tea bag, revealing the flavor, revealing himself in us. When we go through these trials and tribulations and testing, it's not because God's a little child bully with a magnifying glass. No, he's, he's, he's showing off himself in us and through us. He's strengthening us. Oh, I get it. I'm telling you, Sundays, Thursdays, and Wednesdays are some of the toughest days of my life. And a wise man once told me, you want it to all stop? Just walk away from ministry. Then you'll just have your conscience to deal with, with the, for the rest of your life. Oh, geez, well, when you put it like that, Greg, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing and serving the Lord because he's on my side. <laughs> 
Spiritual warfare is a real thing. As you get closer and closer, as you're starting to gain king, uh, inches for the kingdom, man, the devil and his minions want to beat you up. But the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua 1, 9. What did Paul do during all this suffering? You know that he was writing letters from prison? He was writing letters from prison, chained up to guards. He didn't even really get out. His life ended with his beheading. Oh, Rick, you're not making this whole Christian thing sound too good. He kept his eyes on what lies ahead. Remember a month or two ago, we went through that verse where he says, forgetting what's in the past and uh, letting go of the past and looking toward what lies ahead. Paul reminds himself constantly. He's looking forward to the joy. He's not looking at all his surroundings. I mean, yeah, he was living in the moment, sharing the Lord, but what got him through it is hope. Hope. Hope in Jesus Christ. Not just hope to hope, like you might read in some like, I don't know, weird rally or on TV or something, some nice bumper sticker. It sounds nice, but what's the object of your hope? Jesus Christ should be. Because remember, he was killed, but three days later, he came back from the dead. That's who I want to hope in, a champion like that, a person who can go to battle with sin and death and come out victoriously. He killed death at the cross. He's amazing. That's who our hope is. Verse 19, Paul is talking about uh, the believers that he's enjoyed. He says, He says, for what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. As we've been reading and going through it, our testimony involves how we're going to respond to God's word and his calling. Our testimony, it will involve suffering. Here in America, we actually may not get too much suffering for our faith, but it does happen. But when you are suffering and going through grief and loss and whatnot and these crazy radical tragedies, man, keep your eyes trained on Jesus Christ, the object of our hope. Look forward, look forward. This is why I brought my rope out tonight. Some of you guys have seen this before. This is my eternity rope. Think of our lives like this rope, okay? Here's where we start, and here's where we finish. It's kind of like, have you ever seen a headstone? That little dash in between the two, the two numbers, it's a life on this side of eternity. So we're born, and we born in that sinful nature. Some of us, God's word does not go in one ear and out the other. It resonates in our heart and changes our lives and we accept the Lord and guess what happens? We get to spend eternity with the Lord. Some of us will live our lives. His word will go, will fall on deaf ears and will end our lives on this planet and we'll spend eternity without the Lord. God's a gentleman and gives us the choice. What would your choice be having heard the word of God, the truth of God? Not as what Pastor Rick would say, but the truth, which is what God's word is. What will your choice be moving forward? 
Will you be just inspired on Sunday night? Yay! Or will you, be a, will you start applying it to your lives? Be not just hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. Allow God's word to transform your mind, sink deep within your heart, and man, let it change your eternity. Let's stop and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the truth of scripture. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence here tonight. Lord, I pray that you would just knock hard on the door of men and women's hearts and even children's hearts tonight, Lord. If you'd like to know that your sins are forgiven, if you'd like to know where you'll spend eternity, we would like to pray with you. It's a prayer, we say it all the time here because we don't want anyone left to feel like they didn't have that opportunity. If you'd like to invite Jesus into your life, to have your life changed from this moment forward, then we have a prayer for you. You could say it out loud with us or... You can say it in the intimacy of your own heart. I get it. It's between you and the Lord. It goes like this. Lord Jesus, I surrender. I give you my life. Please forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can serve you from this day forward. And all of God's kids agreed by saying, amen, amen. Well, church, if no one's told you that they love you, I love this church. I love you guys. Way more important, God totally loves you guys. So good night. God bless you. Drive safe. We'll see you next week.